will receive the mercy from God through the blood of Jesus. So grace itself is God's unmerited favor and mercy. God's unmerited favor and mercy. And it comes on us through the blood of Jesus, through Jesus Christ and what his assignment was on the cross. So we receive grace from God the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ and the righteousness that was given us through Christ. So when you accept Christ, you are justified in the sight of God. You are declared righteous. When you accept Christ and develop your relationship, your salvation through Christ, in all this relationship, in the sight of God, you are what declared justified. You are declared righteous. And in the beginning, the first church that was built, it has sections to it. The first church had sections. It had, it had the 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 altar, the the, the outside, the where the altar was for burning and sacrifices. There was where the animal was slaughtered. That was the altar call. And then after that, you go into the holy place, and so the holy place is where the the candle of uh, the, the the golden menorah, which is the seven candlestick, was, and there was a table of showbread that represented the needs of God's people, because it was understood that God's eyes was on that table of showbread with twelve loaves of bread that represented the twelve tribes of Israel, twelve loaves of bread that represented the 12 tribes of Israel, signifying the, the understanding that God's eyes was on the needs of his people. And the golden manure, the golden candlestick, seven candlestick, and we all know seven is represent the spirit of God. It's a number of what? Completion. It represents the spirit of God. And it was the only item that gave light in the holy place. The whole place was pitch black. And the only light you saw was the light emanating from the seven candle stand, representing what the Spirit of God does in our lives. The Spirit of God brings light in our darkness. The Spirit of God illuminates Christ. The Spirit of God discloses Christ, immediates Christ. The Spirit of God in our lives represents Christ in each and every one of us. The idea of grace. And then you have the, the table that have the, the object that bears incense. And that represents the prayers of those that go in the temple to offer prayers ascending up into the nostrils of God the Father, meaning accepting our prayers 
when we offer it, a religion answers to our prayers. So these were three items, and then the third place was the holiest of holiest. Now the holiest of holiest had a partition, thick partition, and with, uh, uh, with understanding, as uh, biblical scholars have been trying to understand, the chief priest, the high priest, was the only one that could go into the holiest of holiest and to offer animal blood as sacrifice for the people once a year. And even before he goes in there, it was a belief that he was translated, translated spiritually into that place. And what was in that place? It was the Ark of Covenant. The Ark of Covenant was placed in the holiest of holiest. And on the Ark of the Covenant was two powerful angels, two cherubims, and in the center of them was the seed of grace. In the center of these two cherubims on the Ark of the Covenant, so the Ark of the Covenant was a box that was built and has gold all around it. And these two angels, it was symbol of two angels that was cherubims. And these two angels stood on top of this Ark and in the middle of it was the mercy seat. So the high priest goes in to offer the blood to atone the sins of God's people. And within the Ark of the Covenant was an almost bread manna, a day's worth of manna, and also it had the, the, the Ten Commandments, and it also had Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron's rod that budded and signify how important God, how important authority to the church is to God. Or authority in our life, period. How important, the importance of authority in our life. Because Aaron's rod budded when the people of Israel, some of them rebelled and said it was not only Moses and Aaron that have been called to hear from God and to and, and, and to and to receive from God. And these people also rose up and rebelled, challenged the authority of Aaron and Moses. And so God said, Well, let every tribe bring a, a rod, a staff, and Aaron's rod was metal. But it, 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 it grew flowers. It grew plant and flowers. Just imagine a meadow like that, and in the morning with flowers growing on it, with plant growing on the meadow. So they were, it was kept in that bush for a minute. But uh, there could be uh, uh, enough teaching on all these items as it relates to our spiritual work with the Lord. And I'm willing to do that another time, do a series on this so that we understand the foundation of our relationship with God. So what I'm trying to get at is that when Jesus died, the very day he died, when you read Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 to 53, the word of the Lord says, that partition, that it was only the high priest 
that was able to go in there, even him, there was a rope that had to be tied around the high priest's waist. And in case he have sinned against God and goes in there in his sin nature, he was struck by the power of God and nobody could get close to the power of God. So they pulled him back by the rope. Hallelujah. Thank God for the grace of God for our life today. And so when Jesus Christ died, the word of the Lord in Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 to 53 says, When the blood of Jesus dropped on earth, there was an earthquake. There was an earthquake. The earth shook, and people that have died resurrected. And the word of the Lord said, They live on earth for at least 40 days. The blood of Jesus. That partition into two. So at that very night, that partition, thick, strong partition, that it was only the high priest that could go there and offer sacrifice for the atonement of the sins of the people. That partition parted into two, opened up, a symbolic that now we have found grace with God. Now we go all. Oh, Come to the throne of grace because of the blood of Jesus, because of the death of Christ, to receive grace, to ask for forgiveness for our sins. You don't need to go tell the Pope, what confess to the Pope what mistakes you have committed, but you have grace that you could tell your father that you have sinned and he shall forgive you of your sins. And the blood of Jesus has been made available to speak on your behalf. The blood of Jesus speaks on our behalf because the only thing God sees through is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. So we are justified. Our sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. We are justified. We are made what? Right. Our sins, our penalties, our debt are paid by the blood of Jesus. Already been paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord says, He who knew sin became sin for us. He became the crash on the cross. Because the cross was symbolic of a shameful death. A very shameful death. It was a death that was given people that were thieves, people that have committed crimes. But here he was, not committing any crime, but had to lay down his God nature and pick up his human nature going on the cross to be slaughtered like a lamb for our sake, for you and I's sake, to receive the grace of God. To receive grace with our work with Christ. On your best day. On your very best day. When you think you've been so right. When you think you've been so good. God is saying your goodness. Doing good by your own self. Is like filter rock in the sight of God. What is filter rock? In those era. Ladies when they menstruated. We're not using parts. 
In the beginning, ladies do not menstruate and using patch. They use some type of a rag to hold their meshes. And that's what God is saying. Our goodness without the blood of Jesus, without his grace, finding us justified, receiving that righteousness that comes out of God's grace through the blood of Jesus, our goodness is like filthy rags. He who knew sin became sin for us so that we will receive what? The righteousness of God through Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Beloved, you could look at um, the miracle that occurred when Christ died. Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 to 53. Let's set scriptures for ourselves. Let's reset scriptures. Let's take time to look at scriptures. Let scriptures speak to us so that you know if I'm, I'm teaching the truth or I'm lying. Or where my source of evidence is preaching the word of God to you ought to know that for yourself. What is sin? Sin is missing the mark of justification and righteousness because what man fell through Adam and Eve. Sin is missing the mark of what? Justification and righteousness because man fell through Adam and Eve. And I spoke a little bit about that last Sunday. For sin came into this world through the sins of Adam and Eve, the first family that God created. But David said in Psalm 51, in sin did my mother conceive me. In sin did my mother conceive me. So none of us could say we are so right or none of us could say we are, we are, we haven't committed any sin. As Christians, we sin less. As Christians, we sin what less. So we are not without sin. For the book of Romans chapter three, verse twenty-three to twenty-four, it says what for all of us, including the person that says he's the most right. The most spiritual person, I don't know where he is, if it's the Pope or the head of some denomination somewhere. The word of the Lord is saying, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But redemption came through Christ. Redemption came through Christ. The title for my message is Grace, the Value of Our Salvation. The title for my message is Grace, the Value of Our Salvation. Yeah, you're looking at me laughing, but yeah, sometimes we lay the foundation and then we put the title on. Sometimes we start laying foundation and then we present the title. The, the title for this message is Grace, the Value of Our Salvation. Beloved, there's two types of sin that we commit as, 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 as um, people that have come to God, to Christ. We have a sin of omission and a sin of commission. Sin that we commit knowingly is sin of commission. Sin that we commit knowingly, sin that we commit that we are aware of, that we premeditate on, that we're going to steal 
this, this uh, microphone, or we're going to walk in the store and steal something, or sin that we commit, um, that is against what the word of God is saying, is called sins of commission. And the sin that we commit unknowingly, there are certain things that we do, there are certain actions that we take that are sinful only in the sight of God. Only in the sight of God. Because while God is the judge, he is the only one that has the ability and the power to determine which of our actions is unrighteous. And that, under that category of sin. God is the only one that could determine which of our actions and our behavior is sin. Under sin that we commit unknowingly. So sins of omission and sins of commission. Sins we commit unknowingly, we do them, but we don't know they are sinful. It's called sins of omission. And the one that we do plan and thoughtful is sin of commission. Any sin we commit that is against what the word of God is saying is a sin of commission. Hallelujah. Let's look at James chapter 4, verse 17. It says, if anyone, if so any person who knows what is right to do but does not do it, to him it is what? Sin. It is quite easy to commit a sin of commission without others what knowing. It is quite easily. It's quite to sneak out somewhere and steal something or do something in the dark without anybody knowing about it. But 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, neither uh, from beginning of that, it says, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, whose words are used as weapons to abuse, in short, humiliate, imitate, or slander. This is what the word re revelish means. Now, revelish, nor swindlers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. So what that, what that means is we seek God's forgiveness if we are indulged in such kind acts. But with sins of omission, Let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to 9. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to 9. It said, this is the message of God's promised revelation, which we have heard from him and now announce to you that God is what? Light. He is holy. His message is truthful. He is perfect in righteousness. And in him, there's no darkness at all. No sin, no wickedness. No imperfection. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, which means sin, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we really walk in the light, that is, live each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God, that is the word of God, as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another. He with us and we with him. And the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin by erasing 
the stain of sin, keeping us clean from sin in all its form and manifestation. If we say we have no sin, this is where the sin of omission comes in. The sin that we commit unknowingly, this is where it comes in. If we say, if all of us, wherever we are, if we say we have no sin, because in the sight of God, God knows what is in our life. He determines our behaviors, which of our behaviors and our actions are unrighteous in his sight. No man, no me, no what I tell you. He says, if we say we have no sin, refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude ourselves and the truth is not in us. His word does not live in our hearts. If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us what? Continually from our unrighteousness. What? Continually when we catch that we have we have made a mistake and we say, Father, forgive me continually. He will, for, he will, from all unrighteousness, our wrongdoing, everything not in conformity with his will and purpose, he will forgive us. Hallelujah. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the Lord. So, therefore, what are we to do? Are we to continually in our make the effort, uh, uh, plan stuff, and do it because we know we live under grace. But Romans chapter 6, 15 to 18 says no. It says no. It says we are to consider ourselves dead to sin. We are to consider ourselves that when Christ died with our sins, in our sins, died with him. And when he rose from the dead, we became alive. His strength was manifested in our weakness. And so we are not slave to sin. We are not slave to sin. But the argument has been those that said we have to live by the Ten Commandments. We have to live by all that was written in those laws and all the Leviticus laws. We are to live by it. That is when we are right standing with God. But Paul was saying, no. If you are to live by all those which made up about 600 laws, because aside the Ten Commandments were the festivals, it were some do's and some don'ts, and all added up to over 600. You are in bondage. You, you, you are living in curse because there's no way you could do it. You have no freedom and you have no peace because you are occupied with the idea of trying to achieve righteousness through meeting all those 600 commandments. But Pastor, we are no longer under the cash. But cash be the one who says to hell with grace, to hell with all that have been achieved through the blood of Jesus. That came from the promise of God. Because Abraham believed God 
And God counted it all what? As righteousness. And so God made a promise that his seeds will be blessed. And out of that blessing will come the Messiah, the Christ, that will save us from our sins. And it was pronounced even in the garden when they sinned. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Can you go there? It says, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. When God was releasing the punishments, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It says, And I will put enmity between, between the, the woman and between thy seed. Who is that Christ? Thy seed. This is way back in the beginning. He said, I will put enmity between you, the woman, and between thy seed. And her seed, it shall bruise thy head. So this is the punishment for the snake, the devil. The snake signified the devil. And when he tricked and caused them to sin, manifesting himself through a snake. He manifested, the devil's spirit manifested through a snake to deceive them. And thou shalt bruise what? His heel. And 16, and 16, go to 16. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in, uh, in childbirth. In pain you will give birth to children. Yet your desire and your longing will be for your husband and who will rule with authority over you. And be responsible for it. No, go back to 15. It, it, go back to 15. It says, And between your seed and offering and her seed, he shall finally bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So, this was speaking about the Messiah, Christ, coming to die on the cross to gain victory over the works of Satan. It was promised already. So this, this promise manifested through the promise that God gave Abraham. That his seed will bruise the head of Satan. And Satan through the snake will bite the heel. It is the attack of the enemy over our lives. But the woman's seed bruising the head of Satan is the victory that, that we have gained through the, the death, the birth, the resurrection, and the death of Christ. But this promise came through the promises that God gave Abraham that his seed will multiply. And his seed, through his seed, will come the Messiah. So when the top of sin comes, what do we do sometimes? We ought to speak to ourselves sometimes. Hey, self, die to sin. Self, die to sin. You have no power over me, sin. I am not your slave. But beloved, sin that repeats itself, sin that we commit over and over, even though willingly we do not want to do it, but we see ourselves being pushed to do it, and it is like a force and a power that comes over us to push us to do those things, 
that we, we sincerely regret after doing it. We need what? Deliverance. This is a sign of being held in bondage. And for that matter, we need deliverance and healing to overcome that. Beloved, Galatians chapter 3, verse 10 to, verse 10 to, to 18 as we read. Paul said, we are no longer under the cash. Why? Because we are redeemed by Christ. The blood of Jesus has redeemed us. And we are there for what? To work in the spirit. He said, no one could be justified without faith. He said, the just shall live by faith. The just who has come to Christ and received salvation will live what? By faith. Because when we live by faith, the spirit of God is involved. We are living by the grace of God. And for that matter, the spirit of God is released to help us in our weaknesses and in our infirmities. The law was kept with our senses. We kept the law with our senses. Thou shall not. Thou shall not do this. Thou shall not do that. It was kept, the law was kept with our senses. We work by faith and not by sight. We work by claiming the promises that was given. The promises that came out of the death of the Messiah. But the law was kept with our senses. And it was by our works. And what? Our flesh. Without the spirit. And the flesh weakens the power of the law. The flesh weakens the power of the law. Because we cannot fulfill the laws. We cannot obey the laws. The law was temporary for the sake of time. Let's dwell on the, it's the same area I picked up the responsive scriptures. The law was temporary. The law was temporary. It was to hold us and point us to the coming of Christ. The laws was to hold us and point us to the coming of Christ. For the revelation of the promise. What does that mean? The promise here was given to Abraham 400 years before the Lord came. Why? Because Abraham received a promise from God 400 years before Moses came on the scene to take the people of Israel from the bondage of Egypt to the promised land. Right? So it highlighted the idea between the law, the promise and the law. So the promise was stand for Abraham, Christ coming as the Redeemer. We receive our salvation from Christ. And for that matter, we are justified under grace in the sight of God. But let's look at the law. The law came what? 430 years later, and it was given through Moses, and it was what? Temporary. Temporary. It was to fill in the gap till Christ came. It was to win that all things work together. It's just like you die and you leave a trust of inheritance for your children. 
but they are not old yet. They can't take care of the blessing. So you put it in the trash, mm -hmm. right? And until all things come together, until the perfect time for your children to inherit the trash, to be able to take over and manage the trash. So that's the difference between the promise that came and, and, and gave birth to Christ and the law that came to fill in. Because all things have to work together. There was, there was all things that need to play in the scene, both physical and spiritual, for Christ to come. And but God had the desire to deal with sin. So he had to institute something temporary to deal with sin. And now the laws are to point out to Christ. We are to know that we cannot fulfill these laws and therefore we need Christ. We need the grace of God. Let's look at three things that the law could not do. The law could not impact the Holy Spirit. The laws, obeying the Ten Commandments and all the laws, as the Judaism, as Judaism claims, it does not impact the Holy Spirit. And it was the same argument that Paul was having with the people that said, you ought to be circumcised. Could you imagine me? Or could you imagine Papa at his age coming to Christ and you say, Papa, you ought to go circumcised before you could, you could belong to uh, the, uh, Christ. And can you imagine me? And you say, oh, I want to accept Jesus Christ. You say, no, you are not circumcised, so you have to go and get circumcised before you come and belong to Christ. So this was the argument that was going on in the beginning when Paul was sharing the gospel and was saying, now Christ has died and now we have found grace in the blood of Jesus. They said no. So it was a time of war. But three things the Lord could not do is they could not impact the Holy Ghost. The Lord could not bring perfection. The Lord could not work what miracles. All the signs, wonders, and miracles we see, the Lord could not impact that. It comes by the Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost. You are to be able to fulfill all the... If you break one law, you are uh, found guilty of all the laws. And therefore, man has to struggle and fulfill these. And that's when Paul said, Curse be unto you. If you say you live under the law. Now let's look at what it means by being inheriting a curse and what it means by a blessing under grace. Beloved, Jesus is our inheritance through grace for whatever victory he gave as he went on the cross. So under that grace, that dispensation of unmerited uh, um, mercy and favor, we seek the blessings of God. We position ourselves to receive the finished work of Christ. We position ourselves. We are to align ourselves right spiritually to receive that blessing, that inheritance. And what is that inheritance? Healings, deliverances, breakthrough, and what? Eternal life. Enjoying full life here and also here on when you die. But under the law, there was no eternal life. Under the law, there was no eternal life. 
When you have ever heard of Abraham's bosom, Abraham's bosom before Christ, those that had faith in God and God declared them righteous, when they died, there was Abraham's bosom was beneath the earth. So it was Abraham's bosom and it was hell. So because Christ has not died yet, because Christ has not come to share his blood, so we could receive peace and rest in eternity when we die as righteous, people that believe God and God declared as justified and righteous, their soul went into Abraham's bosom. And those that lived live a sinful life in the sight of God, they went to hell. And all these places were beneath the earth, close to each other. When you read the story of um, Lazarus and the rich man, Lazarus and the rich man will give you that illustration. And also, then, animal sacrifice was the atonement of our sins. But we all know the animal blood could not save us from our sins completely. And so for that matter, we that were found right before Christ had to wait until Christ came to die. Until Christ came to die. Beloved, the rescuer came to receive us. And when Christ died, the word of the Lord says, he first went down and preached the gospel. First Peter chapter 3 verse 9. Put it on the screen. When Christ died, he first went down and preached the gospel to the spirits. Chapter 19, 319. To the spirits, to the righteous, and to spirit for those that were in Abraham's bosom to receive Christ and therefore ascended with them to heaven. He went and preached that they received Christ and they ascended together with him in heaven to find eternal rest. So we ever want to know what was going on with life eternity, with the issue of heaven and hell, what was going on with that before Christ? All those years, all those that live over four or 6,000 years or 4,000 years before Christ, what happened? That is the idea of where they went to wait for the death of Christ and to accept redemption through the blood of Jesus. He says, in which what he also went and preached to the spirits now in prison, down in prison. And so there's a saying that now hell has enlarged its territory because there's no more Abraham bosom. So now hell has enlarged its territory and the last days when the day of judgment comes, all those that are found what? Guilty of their sins who rejected Christ and never wanted anything to do with Christ will be what? In the lake of fire. Beloved, the lake of fire was not meant for us. It was meant for Satan and his demons. But because the work of Satan has deceived many and people are more followers of him than Christ, now when we die and we reject Christ, the place for us is the lake of fire. 
with Satan and his demons. That is not what I'm saying. I'm not a doomsday preacher, but I have to present the word of God so you know your spiritual rightful standing with Christ and you make a decision for yourself. Lazarus and the rich man is Luke chapter 16, verse 23 to 22 to 23. So no man could be justified by the law in the sight of God. In the sight of God, now after the, the, the works of Christ, you cannot be justified. The just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith. The just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith. By grace are you saved through faith in Christ. By grace are we saved through faith in the redemption works of Christ. Abraham trusted and believed God, and it was accredited to him as righteous. And therefore, the promise of Christ's coming was given through Abraham, the father of righteousness, the father of faith. Let's put, put the Abrahamic blessing up. I think it's Genesis chapter 22. Verse 15 now, if, if I, my memory serves me well. Genesis, yeah, Genesis, I'll read that in a minute. And so, Jesus came from the lineage of Abraham. The seed was offered to Abraham and his descendant. Don't get me wrong, it's more of a spiritual activity when you accept Christ spiritually, you become a descendant of Abraham. And this promises is for you. So when Christ was alive, anywhere he went, and people were seeking him for healing, deliverance, they referred to him as what? Son of David. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Why? Because David trained the lineage from Abraham all the way Till the coming of Christ. Beloved, grace could be compared to a civil agreement or contract as Galatians chapter 3, verse 10 talks about. It says grace is compared to a civil agreement or contract if one is signed, sealed, and witnessed and duly recorded, it stands under the protection of the civil laws of the country where such agreement of contract is signed. Therefore, heaven is protected the promise that was given through Abraham that resulted to Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, and his blood redeeming us to God the Father, and we find in grace. Hallelujah. This is the promise, and this is the law that was given 430 years after that. Inheritance is true Christ. Our inheritance is true Christ. Let's bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's give him all the glory. Let's give God all the praise for the grace of God, true Christ. For the grace 